Um, we're really thrilled to be here this morning. Uh, I think this is the second time we've been in this building. Um, we just haven't been able to get to Steinbeck. COVID kind of locked us into the house like a lot of other people. And uh, so it's great to be here. It's great to see some familiar faces. Notice I didn't say old. Um, <laughs> and so many new faces. And so we, we, we really look forward to getting to know you a little better. Um, our, our schedule is to try to be in Steinbeck once a month while we're here in Canada. And um, so we try to do that. It's July. Here we are. Um, you might see us again in August, I guess. Hopefully we will. Uh, this morning we want to, well, I, can, I need to figure this thing out first. It's, tur- I'm try, it's turned on. Greg, Greg did that for me, turned it on. So if I... There we go. There we nice go. Nice and big. And I can go backwards Wonderful. the other way. Oh, oh. Look, you can do it. You can do it. I'm in control. <laughs> First time ever. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Uh, so it's a good thing he's doing that, and not me, because I am so technologically challenged. I am lucky that I can work zippers. I mean, really, I I can turn my computer on and email people, and and that's about it. I'm I'm just not. So I, I'm a language person, though. So I love language. So she's going to speak today, and I'll just turn the thing on. Now. I don't think so. <laughs> well. Yes, you can see our message is called, Are You Empty? Um, we, we felt God speak to us at the beginning of this year. Uh, and this was a message for us personally. Um, but as we began to, to meditate on it, we realized that it probably could be much far ranging than just us personally. And so it's based on a story out of 2 Kings. I'll put that up. Uh, 2 Kings 4, verses 1 to 7. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all of your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all of these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your son can live on the rest. Help. (laughs) How do we go to the next one? Oh, okay. Then we need to go to the next one. Oh, you skipped one. Well, that's one. Okay. That's the rest of it. Okay. I, I also can't see that far, so oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes it difficult for you. So, so this is a, a story out of the Old Testament 
about one of the many miracles that we see God doing. Uh, and it, it's about Elisha, not Elijah. Anybody get those two mixed up like me? I have the secret. She has a secret. Elijah, J comes first in the alphabet, S comes later. So, there, so a... Elijah came first, then Elijah was kind of a prodigy of Elijah. And this is a story about one of the many miracles that God performed that involved him. So it's about a, 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 the widow of another prophet that was kind of in Elijah's group, I guess. They had a group. Um, and he died, and that left his wife and his two children as orphan or as widow, a widow with no father. Uh, the father was basically the one who uh, provided for the family. And as we can see in the story, the, the widow had pretty much eliminated anything of value they had in order to live. And they were at the point where she had nothing left and she reaches out to Elijah and says, I need some help, right? And he responds in a very interesting way. He says to her, what shall I do for you? I mean, it was pretty obvious, I think, that she had nothing. And the debtors were going to take the two children as payment for the debt. This was common in Old Testament times that people would sell their children to pay off a debt. Or the debtor would come and take them. So life was rough for a widow in those days, and for children as well. So when he says, what shall I do for you? He's saying, how can I help you? That's what we would say, eh? How can I help you? And then he said, what do you have in your house? In other words, what resources do you have? We already know she didn't have anything, right? Because if she had something, she would have used that. She wouldn't have had to let the debtor take the children. So some translations say, she says, I have nothing in my house except a jar of oil. Well, some translations do it correctly and say a small jar or a flask. So this is probably not cooking oil. It's not, you know, what, what's it, canola, you know, in a big jar that you can get for cheap at Costco. This is not that. You see, we know that because if she had that, that would have value, right? So she would have a little bit more. So it probably was an anointing oil. Because her husband was a prophet. So anointing oil is actually far more valuable than cooking oil, right? Because it's been prayed over and it's anointing oil. So Elisha's solution. And what does he say? He says, go and borrow empty vessels from all your neighbors and not just a few. Now, she probably lived amongst other people who were not very well off, right? I mean, probably. So most people were poor in those days. They lived from day to day. And so they wouldn't give her full vessels, would they? They would keep the full vessels for themselves. But to ask for an empty vessel, like as a neighbor, if somebody came to you and said, have you got an empty jar? You'd give it, wouldn't you? Because if it's empty, you're not using it. You don't have any use for it because it's empty. So he says, Empty vessels and not too few. And then he says, 
take those into the house, bring your sons, shut the door. Like, this is going to be a really great miracle. My thinking is, invite all the neighbors to come and watch and just see what God can do. Wouldn't we do that? He says, no, shut the door. This is private. Go into your secret place, whatever you want to call it. And so we want you to note a few things here. Get empty vessels. Can you fill a full vessel? You can't, can you? You can only fill empty vessels. So the empty vessels make sense. And this is very, very significant to the message that God, we feel, is giving us and giving you. Is an empty vessel. Then God says, when you have the vessel, come into the house, like Doug said, shut the door behind you. Why is that? Why would he say go in secret? We believe it's because God does his best work, the most work that God does in our hearts and in our lives is in the secret place. God often does his most miraculous works, not up front for people to see, but in your prayer closet. Mm -hmm. Is that not our secret place? That's where we go when we are empty and we need God. That's where we go with our petitions. That's where we go with our needs. That's where we go with brokenness. We go to God in the secret place, in our prayer closet, so that we can be intimate with him and he can show us what he has for us and he can fill us with what he has for us. So this whole story centers around oil, a little flask of oil, right? The scripture tells us a number of times that oil represents the Holy Spirit. And so the anointing oil, if that's what it was, or this little flask of oil or this jar, whatever it was, um, is significant. Representing the Holy Spirit. We know that often that anointing oil, that anointing stuff was very expensive. We see a, um, a story in, about Jesus being anointed by a, a woman, pouring out a little bit of stuff. And the, and the people that were around, were some of them were really upset about it. They said, boy, that's expensive stuff. You don't do that with it. We could sell it in, for the poor. And Judas was the one who made the big to-do about that because he knew the value of it and he was skimming off the top of the money. So, so that oil is very, very significant. It represents the Holy Spirit and it represents the anointing that God gives us through the Holy Spirit for his service. It's also representative of provision. It provides for us. It gives us the things that we need. And we know from other scriptures that it's often called um, the oil of gladness. So the Holy Spirit is brings gladness. What's gladness? It's joy in our lives. So that what we want to talk about is if we're vessels, and we are, 
I can put up another slide, I think. There we are. Isaiah 52, is no, that the one no, I want? No, no, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Oh, see, Maybe I thought you should work it from there. <laughs> there it is, 2 yeah. Corinthians 4, 7, right? Yeah. So it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. The treasure being? The Holy Spirit, right? We have this Jesus, treasure in jars time. of clay to show that this all-surpassing power The all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And jars of clay, that's us. We're the jars of clay. Why are we jars of clay? Because jars of clay are vessels, very common, not necessarily expensive or elaborate. And I don't know about you people here, but I feel very common, not expensive, and not very elaborate. Although she dressed me very nicely today. Didn't she? <laughs> I'm sorry. He doesn't know colors. He just he can't do it. Yeah. But you know, I I have an. Ex- this is not a red shirt. Is it? <laughs> not a- Should I wear the red shirt? You don't have a red shirt. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, so I have an expression, and and if you get our newsletter, you might often see it. It says. You know, we are cracked pots. We are old cracked pots. And all of us should be cracked pots. We should be vessels that Jesus can shine out of. It's not how beautiful the vessel is. It's what the vessel carries and who the vessel carries. And when you've got a few cracks in you, which if you don't have and you put your hand up, I will say, hmm, God needs to speak to you, some conviction. Because I'm a cracked pot. he agrees completely as he should so you know we are these vessels that carry this oil of the holy spirit we carry his anointing we carry his fragrance we carry his service we carry his provision we carry his protection we carry those things for the glory of god and not for us for the glory of god we get a benefit, yes. There's always a benefit. So, so crackpot look like? Like, what does that mean? That we're vessels and we're talking about being empty vessels. Well, Jesus gives us a good description. If you look at Matthew 5, I don't have to put this up because I don't have it there. Yeah, it's um, not up there. <laughs> It's Jesus' teaching, and he's talking about something they call the Beatitudes, right? In Matthew 5. Matthew 5, uh, I think it's 3 to 11. If we go through that, he describes what a cracked vessel is, what an empty vessel is. He says, blessed, I like to say blessed rather than blessed because I'm an old King James Bible person, I guess, I don't know. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. They will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
sinners. They will be called the children of God. Blessed are the persecuted. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are the empty vessels. These are what Jesus sees as the people are empty and ready to receive. Mm-hmm. Remember we said you can't fill a full vessel, can you? No. So if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with that oil, we have to be empty. How many of us are empty? I'm See, sorry, young people. He you always picks on you. are growing up in a culture that tells you the most important thing is you. It's self. We fill ourselves with self because that's our natural tendency because of the fall of man. Mm-hmm. We're selfish people. We come into this world selfish. We come in totally dependent on other people. And then we grow to be dependent on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so our culture tells us be strong. Need to be self-confident, right? Young guys, you want to go get a job, be self-confident, yeah. right? We we're told that the more material mm-hmm. things we can accumulate, the more successful we'll be. Mm-hmm. The more that we actually do and accomplish, that's going to satisfy us. That's going to get you to the top. And it never will. So if if I want to get filled, if I want to fill this vessel, then I need to get it emptied so that there's room for God to pour in all that he wants to give me. The oil, his oil, his blessings. And I have to die to self. I have to say, you know what? I'm not strong enough. I'm realizing this as I get to this wonderful age I'm getting to. I'm not strong enough. I don't have the confidence anymore to do things because I can't do them. Because I struggle. That's really hard for me. But it's good for me. Because I have to come into this situation like this and say, God, I don't have what I need to do what you want me to do in me. I'm dependent on you. Mm-hmm. Lord, would you fill me? I'm asking you, God, to forgive my sins again, the sins that I've committed on the way here about wanting to do such a fantastic job with this message that people are going to go, ooh, hey, good job, Doug. You, yeah. You know, I, I, glory goes to God, right? But I just like to hold on to a little bit for myself. i got to die to that. i got to put that away mm-hmm. and say, God, I'm desperate for you now. Yeah. So desperate that if I don't have some people praying for me, 
I'm not going to be able to get up there and do what you want me to do. I'll fumble and bumble through something, but I want to see your word go forth to this group of people at this time here in this building and have that bear fruit. Have that change people. Some of you are going to sit here, go in one ear and out the other, and you're going to walk out, and that's it. I'm praying against you. (laughs) Sorry, people. That's not what I want. I don't think that's what God wants. I think that's why he has you here. God is a transforming God. And no matter what culture we live in, like Diego and Carla will see this as well. When we come back into Canada, people always say to us, isn't it hard? Because now we have to come back and forth because of our age and our our insurance and stuff. So we have to be here for six months of the year and six months there. But we used to be there full time. And we would only come back for a month or six weeks just to speak and raise funds and stuff. And, and people say to us always, is it hard for you to transition back into Mexico? We go, mm-mm, it's hard for us to transition here. It yeah. really is because the culture is very different. I mean, they have their own struggles. They have all kinds of cultural struggles and cultural lies. But here, it's like, oh, my, I, I don't even realize. Well, I, I shouldn't say this now because I actually have new clothes on. But. I don't even realize until I cross the border that I am out of style. I, I really, I, and I, I look around, I go, hmm. And, and, you know, people say, did you get that at MCC? Well, there's an indication that you might be, I shouldn't say that, because MCC probably has really good things. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a cultural thing. It's a materialism that is here that isn't where we usually are. And so... There are things that that just out of the culture, you know, be self-sufficient. How many times have you heard that? Be a self-starter. Be be um, be full of self-confidence, self-strength, self-ability, self, self, self. Just look around at all the selfies. I mean, it is just crazy. I'm sorry if you are a person who takes pictures of their food, a lot of pictures of your food, but I'm thinking, why? I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the truth is we are so self-centered. And I feel feel a burden for young people because I didn't grow up in that kind of a generation. And a few people here didn't grow up in that kind of a generation. We grew up in the generation of, no, it's not about you. It's about your mom and dad. It's about your family. It's about the purposes of God that you can serve. It wasn't about me. And I have a tendency for a lot of things to be about me. And God's saying, no, you're not coming empty, Jan. You need to come empty because I cannot fill a full vessel, a vessel that is full of self. God fills the empty, right? What does it mean to be empty? Be desperate. Mm-hmm. Like when you're desperate, you're going, I need some help here, people. 
I can't do this. When we're desperate, we're looking for help. That means we're empty. Um, There's a story in the Bible. Uh, it'll be up there. It'll be uh, Luke 18. Be, is, yeah. uh, but um, I'll, just, I'll just paraphrase it. So two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and one was a tax collector. And the Pharisee said, Oh God, thank you that I am not like other men. Thank you that I fast, I don't know how many times, that I tithe, I don't know how many times, but I do all the right things. Thank you that I'm not a tax collector. And the tax collector couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. And he beat his breast. And he said, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. The Bible says only one of those men went home justified. It wasn't the Pharisee. It wasn't the man who thought he was full of everything. It was the man who was empty, the man who was humble, and he went to God for his provision. He went to God for his oil of gladness. He went to God for his protection. He went to God for God to fill him with what he needed, and only God can fill us with what we need. We see that phrase again in James James chapter Mm 4 that says God opposes the proud and exalts or lifts up the humble can you imagine what it would be like to be opposed by God see if I took somebody up here as an example this little guy here and said, I'm going to oppose you. you. You walk across the stage, I'm going to oppose you. And I put my hand out. I could probably stop him with my hand or my body. Somehow or other, I could oppose him from going across the floor, right? But there's a few other guys in this front row <laughs> that if I said, walk across the stage and I'm going to oppose you, I would probably end up on my back watching them go, right? (laughs) When God says he's going to oppose you, that means, to me at least, you're not going where you think you're going. And in fact, you're going the opposite direction. Because oppose is not just stopping, right? Opposing is taking ground. Does that make sense? So, what happens when God opposes us? We're we're not going anywhere except backwards, in a different direction. But he exalts, he lifts up the humble. Isaiah 55, 1-2 says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend your money on what will not satisfy and your labor on or your what is not bread and what does not satisfy? Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. God is saying, come to him. Come to him. Come however you are. He's not going to oppose you if you come empty and you come humble. Um, I have... This is a really hard story for me to tell. But um, when we were in in Mexico full-time, 
we lived in a village and uh, no running water most of the time, no electricity most of the time, 45 degrees in the summertime, no water, all kinds of things. People did what? Paradise. Paradise it was, yeah. No internet, no telephones. Paradise, Doug says. Um, anyways, we would go into villages around, and we were church planters, so we were trying to plant churches in these. We would just take a team of us, and we would go and do worship songs and read the word and do a little predication, like a little preach on the word. And uh, we had this one village that we went to, and um, this there was a lady in this village that had been saved. Uh, by the team at some other time, and she'd given her life to Jesus, and, and she became one of the regular people that we visited. And so we might visit once every couple of weeks or whenever we had the opportunity. She was almost totally blind. Her feet were very, very swollen. She could hardly walk, her, her legs, her feet. She lived in a hovel, in a choka, right? She lived in a shack. It, she had a palm roof and and just like a palapa, just with a couple of walls. No lights. She didn't need lights because she was blind. And she had no furniture. She had a, a, a dirt floor. And she had like the empty paint buckets that you would, big, big paint buckets you'd get. And that would be, that was her storehouse. That's where she stored her best things underneath one of those things in, in little pouches. And that was that was her seating arrangement. Now, I would go to her regularly. And I would always bring, we would always bring food, always, rice, beans, whatever. She had, she couldn't often go to the, the bathroom, I guess, in the night. She had a bucket, and it was inside of this, this place. But she had people that would empty that bucket, I guess relatives, cousins or something. People walking by would cook her tortillas and help her because she had to be careful around the fire. Um, and, and, and she was lovely. I mean, she was really lovely. She was lovely in spirit. She was lovely in faith. She was not full of herself. She was not full of herself. She was not full of what this world says is the most important things. Well, we had teams coming to us all the time to build, to do, to do evangelism in these places. And we had a team of professional cheerleaders come from Texas. Well, you can just imagine, they were really lovely too. Uh, they were teenagers, and they had won all kinds of competitions, and, and they used their cheerleading to do evangelism, which was really admirable. And they were all, you know, like, I don't know. They could really attract a crowd. <laughs> a crowd, yeah. Especially the young they, men they were like size, size two or whatever that size is, or size zero or whatever, and they all, you know, had the little short skirts, and, and they were really cute. And, and they, they came from an area of the, of the, of the state that was wealthy. So a lot of these girls had a lot of money. So I took them to see this lady. We went in, and of course they were like, ooh, you know, because there was a bit of a smell, like a lot of a smell, you know, and you just have to learn to acclimatize to that, right, Diego and Carla? You just, you just do, and you don't show on your face, although it wouldn't matter to her because she couldn't see. But still, you, you try not to recoil, so anyways, this team, I took them in. I think there was about seven cheerleaders, and they walked in. They went, oh, 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 and they were doing all kinds of faces and stuff like that. And I'm going, you know, and they don't speak Spanish, and I do. So anyways, it, it turned out she, like, she would keep her treasures. Like, she would always give me um, servilletas, like 
uh, embroidered things that she would make. And in the early years, they were beautiful. And once in a while, I'd get a beautiful one. It'd be soiled and everything, but it would be beautiful. I'd wash it, and I'd use it in my home. But in the later years, because she couldn't see, they were kind of not so nice. But I would still take them and, and, and admire her work and everything. So anyways, I said to her, Marcella, what, what could we pray for you? What do you need? And she said, I really don't need anything. Well, these young girls were like, she doesn't need anything? Did you translate that right? I said, yeah. No, this is nada. I don't need anything. And they went, how can she not need anything? So I said to her, Marcella, why don't you need anything? And she said, well, because now I have Jesus. And I have people who come and read the Bible to me like Jan and pray with me like Jan and the other people. They come and they visit me. And I have tortillas and I have beans that people bring me. I don't need anything. And these girls were really visibly shaken. And the one girl said to me when we got out, she said, my backpack. My dad bought me my backpack for graduation. My backpack is worth $500. How can she say she doesn't need anything? What's wrong with her? I said, whoa, whoa, you guys have missed the whole point. You guys have missed the whole point of me taking you to meet her. She doesn't need anything because she has Jesus. And Jesus is her life. She can't see she can't work. She can't cook. She can't invite you. She can't be hospitable to you in the way that normally people would. She doesn't have a nice house. She doesn't, she doesn't need anything. She has the Holy Spirit dwelling within her. She's empty. She has come to Jesus empty. She has come to Jesus broken. Revelations 3, 17 and 18 says, You say... I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. That's God calling us. That's God saying, no matter what you have, no matter how broken you are, no matter how many times you've been married, no matter how many times your children have not walked with God and have walked away, no matter how your finances are, no matter how your health is, come to me. Come and buy what I have. Without any money, you come poor. You come naked. You come full of shame. You come wretched. And I will give you what you need. I'll cover your shamefulness. I'll cover, I'll heal your brokenness. I'll bring you into my place. I'll bring you to be with me. I'll bring you into my throne room. I'll bring you into intimacy. See, God fills empty vessels. We're empty vessels. He wants to fill us. Mm -hmm. 
but we have to be empty for him to fill us. And when we are, he pours in his riches for us, for life, for life here and now, but more importantly, for life in eternity. That's why God's riches have so much value is because they are eternal. The things that I think make me rich in this life will not be around in eternity. Sorry, my nice little car is going to be dirt, dust, whatever. I can't take that with me. I don't want to take that one with me anyway. <laughs> see, once we see that God has an incredible gift for us and he's given us most of that gift in his son Jesus, saving us from an eternity of separation from him. Jesus gives us that gift of salvation, eternity in fellowship with God. One day we will face him. One day we will face Jesus. And then we get the rest of it. Right? We get more than what we have here. Even if we get the best of Jesus here, we're going to get even more. We're one moment here, the next moment with Jesus. I say to my kids, and they don't, they don't like when I say this, but I say, you know, don't, don't moan and weep for me the way, the way people who have no hope would. I'm going to be dancing with Jesus. I'm a dancer, and I'm going to be dancing with Jesus. One minute here, the next, the next I'm dancing with Jesus. Yeah, you can be sad, but really, I'm going to be in such a good place. I'm going to be in such a wonderful place. So we're saying this morning, receive the fullness that God has for you. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his intimacy. Receive the abundant life that he has for you here and in eternity. Receive the riches that are not of this world. The riches that don't last. And, and I, think, I think sometimes in the church, in the church, we're sometimes embarrassed that people would know that we're broken that people would know that we're empty. This should not be. This should be the place where you can be real. This should be the place where you can say, I'm a broken person. Shame is hounding me. Problems are hounding me. I need to come to God. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be rejuvenated. And you know, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing, going empty. Yes, we have things. We have strength. But we have the strength of the Holy Spirit. You know, when people quote and they say, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Oh, man, you're taking that out of context. That's Paul saying that if I have nothing, I'm good. If I have everything, I'm good. Because I'm focused on Jesus. And he is my sufficiency. So, you know, we're going to ask you, if you're brave. If you have never experienced 
and intimacy with Jesus that only he can bring in his salvation. You know, just lift your hand up. In a group this big, there's always somebody. There's always many somebodies who have not accepted Jesus as their Savior and their Lord and the boss of their life. We'll just wait. Silence is good. Okay, that means everybody in the house, unless we can't see you in the back, and if you've raised your hand, come up to us afterwards. But I think more importantly, how many of you know that you need to be empty or you are empty? You can stand. Did you hear that? How many of you know that you are empty or you need to be emptied? <coughs> Thanks, Tony. Wow. You see, this is church. This is reality. This is coming and saying, Jesus, I don't have everything that I need. I have too much of what I don't need. And what I do need is you. I need you to set me free. I need you to heal my brokenness. I need you to give me a purpose. I need you to give me what I need to be able to walk in your strength, with your boldness, with the opportunities you give me, and with your words of wisdom. So, you know, just just raise your hands, and we're going to pray over you. See, the Lord is asking you now, just like Elijah did, what do you need? Tell him. Tell him, God, I need to get empty of these things. And then invite him to come and fill you. Tell him what you need in relationships. I need to know how to approach this daughter or this son or this sister, or this brother, or this mother and father. I need to know how to share the gospel. I need to know, I I, I need you to, to heal me, Jesus. I need you to heal my dysfunction. I need you to be the most significant person in my life, Jesus. More significant than my wife, or my husband, or my children. I need you to be number one. I submit to you, Jesus, as my boss, as my Savior, as my Lord, as my King. I submit to you, Jesus. I submit to all that you have for me. And I want to give up everything that I shouldn't have. I want to give up all these ideas that are wrong in my head. And I want to walk in your truth, in your wisdom in your protection, in your anointing. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to talk with you. I want to sing songs in the night that you give me. I want to be inspired each and every day, Jesus, to say, come, Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm coming empty, and I'm asking for you to fill me. In Jesus' name. So we're going to close now.
I welcome you to to stay and just listen to the Lord for a while if you want. Some of you have to go, then that's that's fine. If you have to leave, um, if you want some personal prayer, we'd be happy to pray with you as long as there's not 300 at a time. But there are other people who will pray for you. Yeah, the people in this church are prayers, many of them. So if you need prayer, just stick your hand up or come to the front, and, and we'll look for you, and others will look for you too. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Doug and Jen. Yeah, Doug and Jen are going to stick around here to be able to pray. We're going to close in worship. And if the the Lord has touched your heart, there's something that you want to um, feel the Lord is asking you to help empty yourself of, then uh, there are people ready to pray, uh, as they've already mentioned.